you know, this is Memorial Day weekend, and we uh, we honor those. Uh, we have to make sure that we get our our holidays right. There's um, my son. I think he's gone now. He asked me tomorrow is Veterinarian's Day, right? So we we don't have school. Like, I don't think they I don't think they give you school off for veterinarians. I think you mean veterans, but you actually mean Memorial Day. There's Memorial Day, and that is the day that we honor those uh, who have fallen in war to, uh, serving our country. And we have, arm, um, I believe it's Armed, it's Armed Forces Day, and that's those who are currently serving, and then Veterans Day later in November, and we, serve, and we honor those who have served. This weekend, Memorial Day, uh, we're, we're uh, remembering those who died in military service to our country. I wonder... Uh, how many of you know, uh, you're, maybe you're related or you know someone very closely that has, uh, uh, would, would be someone we would honor today? Did you just raise your hand? You know someone who has died in a war and serving our country? Several of us. Okay. Many of us. Um, where I grew up, uh, everybody and their brother was a veteran in some way or another. Um, Veterans Day, we would honor them. We'd have them stand and there'd be about six of us that didn't stand. And we were usually in the, on the platform as the uh, pastors. Had no military service, but uh, we we do want to remember them and honor them in this week, uh, this weekend, and tomorrow, especially as we honor them, uh, especially appropriate and especially fitting that we do that. The uh, Memorial Day, the the start of it, uh, happened. It was born out of the Civil War, 1868, and it was started as a way to honor those fallen soldiers. After World War One, Memorial Day was expanded to honor all the fallen American heroes from any war. So, uh, going back uh, to uh, the Revolutionary War, going back to uh, those who originally purchased our freedom, and then uh, moving on to uh, more uh, memory, more recent memory, World Wars One and Two, Korea, Vietnam, and then uh, for for even the young crowd, uh, even. Uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, uh, probably not not in your memory, but uh, definitely the Afghanistan and Iraqi wars and the many men and women who have laid down their lives so that we could have freedom, so that we can do what we're doing right now, so we can have the freedom of religion. We can come, we can honor God, we can we can sing about Him, we can do the things that we do here because not everywhere is this possible. And so we want to honor them. We want to recognize them. Incidentally, I don't know if you may already known this from New York State history or something. New York was the first state to officially uh, recognize Memorial Day in 1873. All, all the others, I think the last one came about 12 or 13 years later. But we remember these men and women. We remember their sacrifice. We remember their service. We remember their commitment. They fought and protect, uh, they fought to defend and protect freedom and to give it to those without it. Our country is, is always, uh, seems like uh, from its very uh, birth, it has always been one to go to other places and liberate those in uh, that, that are without freedom wherever they may be. And uh, many of our uh, veterans uh, have uh, fallen on foreign soil, not protecting our freedom, but uh, defending freedom or trying to give it to other people. Uh, because uh, we remember... And they remember what it was like to once be enslaved, to once uh, not have that freedom. So all week, and and really not just this week, but in the weeks preparing for this this Sunday, I, I, but especially this week, I kept going back to this idea of why is it so important to remember them? 
And I know it is, and I'm not, I'm not arguing that at all. But uh, like a little kid asking why for every single thing, I began to ask, you know, why is it important that we remember Memorial Day? And uh, this, this, my conclusion is, yes, we are to honor them. We are to honor the people. It's very important to honor the men and the women, but not just because of who they are, but because of what they did. The reason that we honor these people and the reason that we remember these people is because of what they did. Even Proverbs 20.11 tells us even a child is known by his doings. We don't remember these people because of what they were born into, what they were born from, you know, their, their lineage. We don't remember them because they were some royal seed. We remember them because they were ordinary people like, like us who laid down their own comforts, laid down their own uh, priorities, if you will, laid down their own uh, lives, and, and ultimately on Memorial Day honoring them for that very reason. And so we honor them, not, not so much of who they are, but what they did. And if we forget, and this is the why, and this is what, 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 what I, I kind of realized over a lot of contemplating, and then I'll, I'll share with you this morning. If we forget the people, we forget what they did. And if we forget what they did, we're likely to go back and repeat history. Or in other words, we are likely to fall back into that which they died for. We are likely to go back into, we can call it bondage or slavery, which is the very thing that these men and women died, laid down their lives to preserve or bring to us. And so we remember them so that we'll remember that which they did. There's a statement, it flies around and it's been given, it's been attributed to so many different people, but George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And so it is imperative that we as Americans remember those who have fallen. And all of these national holidays. I think it's awesome. Last night I stepped outside and didn't realize they put all the flags up and down the street. And I think it's awesome. I think it's great. And the, the holidays that we have in America throughout the year that remind us of what so many people have done for us. Uh, you know, because many of us didn't earn these things. Um, if you've never served in the military, you didn't earn any of it. You enjoy that which you didn't, that which was given to you. Uh, like me, I didn't earn any of this. Now I have a responsibility to preserve it and to pass it down, but I didn't earn it. And this is not something that I worked for and I got for myself and for my family. I, I was born free. I was born in America. I was born with these, uh, these, uh, rights and with the Constitution to protect my rights and, and all of that. But there were many some time ago who didn't and they fought and they died so that they could have it and so that their children could have it, and then ultimately, so that we today in 2016 could have it. And there have been many since that original time, since the first soldier died protecting or fighting for freedom, there have been many who died protecting that and preserving that. Many of you, veterans, uh, who, who uh, put your life on the line and, and thankfully uh, didn't have to die, but you put your life on the line for us. How do we remember these people then? That was my next question in this claim to Memorial Day. We, we honor these people. We remember these people and we make memorials. Uh, many times when we think of memorials, we think of some kind of a statue or some type of, of, of object with this, uh, you know, with something engraved in it. Uh, much like a, at a cemetery, there would be memorials and they would be there to, uh, honor the memory of a loved one. 
Uh, we have the statue right across the street, uh, and it honors uh, men and, and women. Uh, we have uh, all of Washington, D.C., and all of, it seems like all up and down the East Coast. Uh, wherever there was a war, there's some type of memorial there to honor these people who, uh, who bravely fought and bravely laid down their lives for freedom. We have the uh, Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., who, uh, who did so much to, uh, for, for, to uh, give freedom to so many people. Uh, we have the Washington Monument. We have the, the Vietnam Memorial. We have the, all those names on the walls uh, of, the, of those, uh, those many men and women who, who died giving freedom, uh, protecting freedom in America. And so we use these memorials to do two things. We use them to remind the current generation of what happened. And it's very important that we do that. We as people alive today, 2016, it is very important that we remember what happened so many years ago. I thought I was, I was, I was thinking about this this morning. How many of you were born after 2001? That means you raise your hand. If you are alive, you were born in 2002 or after, would you raise your hand? That'd be mostly kids, right? All the kids, right? Okay. That means that you guys don't remember 9-11, right? And, and, um, and even kids, uh, you know, maybe, uh, just a few years, if you were born in the 2000s, you don't remember 9-11. You were alive maybe for that. But you know, an awful, an awful day in American history. But the, the, the way that you and I felt September 11, 2001, can you go back to your mind where you were when you heard the news? The way that you felt is going to be very different than the way that your children will feel about it when you tell them about it. They're going to feel the way about it the way you feel about it when you learned about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. How many of you were? No, I won't ask who was alive for that. How many of you remember that? Uh, but, you know, it, it bothers us. It is uh, something that we're, we're, we become very somber, we become very serious about, but it's not necessarily something that affects us the way that 9-11 affected us today. Most of us aren't broken up and heartbroken about uh, the Revolutionary War. But back then, they were. And so we established these memorials to remind the current generation, the one who, it, who saw it firsthand, remind them of what happened and those who laid, uh, paid the price laid down their lives for freedom. But also, those memorials are there to teach the next generation what happened so many years ago? Think about it. If the Lord tarries a hundred years from now, America is still where it is and everything. Uh, it will be a hundred years since 2001, 9-11, 2001. And nobody will be around then to say, I remember where I was when that happened. They will all have learned about it through some textbook in some classroom, through some story, the way that we learned about World War I or the way that we learned about the Civil War or the way that we learned about the Revolutionary Wars. It doesn't really hit us firsthand. It's been passed down and passed down and passed down. And honestly, it loses a little bit of that emotion. It loses a little bit of that feeling because we just weren't there. It just doesn't, doesn't hit us the way that others, uh, that, that more current ones would have worked. All throughout the Bible, God commanded His people, God commanded Israel to remember by establishing all, all kinds of memorial reminders of their slavery and deliverance uh, from freedom. I've written them in your notes, and I've given you a lot of verses. You can look at those, and, and for sake of time this morning, we won't really look at them. 
But uh, if, if the one that, that I will have you look at is uh, just the last, uh, the previous chapter. We're in Deuteronomy 6. If you'll back up to chapter 5 and look in verse 15. One of the reminders to Israel of their slavery and bondage and eventual freedom is the Sabbath day. We remember the Sabbath, right? It's part of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, the Sabbath was instituted long before Israel came on the scene. That's uh, the seventh. It's it's a it's a it's the seventh day. It's it's what God did the very first seventh day. Uh, he rested. But notice what God tells them how He wants them to treat the Sabbath. Deuteronomy five fifteen. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So for Israel, the Sabbath day, every seven days, was a reminder, a weekly reminder, you used to be in bondage. You used to be enslaved. God brought you out. You are free now. And that that opportunity, think about it, if you're a slave, you don't get a day off, right? You don't get Memorial Day. You don't get Labor Day. You don't get President's Day. All the days that we get uh, today, uh, you don't get that. You don't get your birthday off. You don't get to take time off for your anniversary. You don't get any days off. You're at the mercy of your master, of the owner. And so in Israel's case, in Egypt, there were no days off. There were no Sabbath days like God had wanted them, uh, wanted man. He wanted everyone to, to that seventh day and it's a rest and it's an opportunity to, to take, uh, uh, to take that work off and recover, if you will, uh, to rejuvenate, to, uh, recharge. And God said, when you were enslaved in Egypt, you didn't have that luxury. Some, somehow in, in the Old Testament, the scribes and the priests and the Pharisees turned the Sabbath day into a a task, if you will. They made it really, really hard to observe the Sabbath. And all God wanted people to do on the Sabbath was take it easy, was to relax and to rest. And in Egypt, they didn't get that opportunity. And so every seven days, God said, I want you to celebrate the Sabbath. I want you to take your rest and remember there used to be a time when my people couldn't do this. There used to be a time when every day, all day, we were being whipped and beaten and killed to build some shrine or some pyramid or some temple or whatever our Egyptian slave masters made us do. And now I get to take it easy. I get to take a break. I get to take a Sabbath. That was a reminder to Israel. Every feast that Israel celebrated, well, I'm, I'm saying every feast, I'm, I think most feasts, I put some in there for you, but most of the feasts, at least if not all of them, were some sort of memorial reminder to Israel of something that God had done for them and or something that God would do. I put a few in your notes, if you'll just look at them real quickly. The Passover, we know about the Passover, that that night that eventually led to the uh, escape from Israel, but they every year they would celebrate that with a feast. And uh, that would uh, celebrate their deliverance from Egypt, and it pointed them to the eventual Lamb of God who would be their deliverer. Every Passover, the focal point of the Passover was a lamb, and it would be killed, and it would be, and there was a certain process they had to go through for all of this, this for this lamb. And it had, I mean, it, and this process started days before Passover actually came, and on, and then they ate it, and and it, all of these things 
pointed one day to a Lamb of God who would come and pay the price for all of their sins. There would be no more yearly sacrifices. There would be no more uh, tradition and, and having to go through all of these rituals and steps to subside God's wrath for another year. It would be done once for all. And that was a Passover. That was the, but that was their memorial. That holiday was their remor- memorial. They celebrated a feast. It was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, also pointed back to this deliverance from Egypt, and, uh, and but it pointed them to Christ's uh, temporary burial, uh, because there's no leaven in it, there's no decay, there's no there's no uh, uh, corruption, and the feast of unleavened bread eventually pointed them to one day Messiah will come, Messiah the Lamb will be slain, but that is not the end of the story. It's only temporary. He will be buried, but his body will not see corruption. You can see some verses John one twenty nine and First Corinthians five seven. Also, there was a fir- there was a feast called the feast of first fruits, pointed to Messiah's resurrection. Actually, the first several feasts that Israel would would celebrate throughout the year are the gospel. There's the Passover, the lamb is slain. There is the uh, the unleavened bread, the lamb is buried. There is the first fruits, the lamb is resurrected. It all points to the gospel. And it's so interesting uh, the, 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 how God taught them about Jesus without saying his name. And then they solely, totally missed it when Jesus came onto the scene. The Feast of first fruits pointed to the Messiah's resurrection. Then they had another feast called the Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks pointed to the eventual promise, uh, the, well, the promise of the eventual coming of the Holy Spirit indwelling the body of believers. Very interesting. And they had so many different, uh, different feasts. But all of these were memorials scattered throughout Israel's calendar, which also was a memorial to remember their freedom. God came to Moses and he said, this is the new night. This is the new January 1st. Happy New Year, Moses. This is the brand new calendar. I'm restarting it. And Israel had a very different calendar than everyone else around them. And why? Why is our January 1st, if you want to call it that, different than everyone else's January 1st? Because something must have happened. And then that would give their fathers an opportunity to teach it. Well, you know, one day this would happen. We used to be slaves. And God sent this man Moses in, and he brought these incredible plagues on, on our, on our masters in Egypt, and, and he brought us out with a mighty hand, and he, and he, God said, I want you to start this as your brand new year. This is your brand new beginning, if you will. And all throughout the calendar, that was Israel's reminder. God said, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember something. I want you to memorialize this so that you can not only remember it for yourself, but teach it to your children and teach it to their children and teach it to their children because one day you're going to be gone. You're going to be off the scene. And all the people that saw it firsthand are not going to be around anymore. And so you need to pass this down. And so what I need you to do is build something. I need you to, I need to give you something, uh, whether it be in your holidays. We see all throughout the Old Testament, they would build things. Uh, they crossed, I believe it was the, the second time they crossed the, I think it was the Jordan River. So when the, the, the 40 day, uh, 40 years had passed and they crossed right before going in Jericho, I believe that was then, they built a, the, 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 the pillar of rocks. And it was to remind them, we crossed over, God brought us to the land. Uh, and all throughout history, this is what, this is what we see God doing with His people. And there were three things that God said would cause them to forget Him and His work among them. Let me show you uh, in, De- in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then uh, we'll make an application to ourselves. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and, we'll be, and look in verse number 10. We see the very first thing that happens here. He says, And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not. 
and wells dig, which thou diggest not. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. Now, what happened there? What, what are the two things? There's two things that are mentioned right there in those two verses. Now, to, to get these two things, let me explain what's going on here. Now, if you know the story of, of, of Israel leaving Egypt, it should have taken, I, I was, I don't know exactly how long it should have taken to walk from Egypt to Israel. Uh, someone, someone said two weeks. I heard that yesterday. I was listening to someone and that, that, that sounds good. We know it didn't take two weeks, right? It took a, just a couple days longer than two weeks in the uh, area of 40 years, okay? But here's the thing though. If you remember your story about Egypt going into the, or Israel going into the promised land, nobody that actually went into the promised land, save two, actually lived and remembered being a slave in Egypt. Okay? Now, let me, let me clarify that a little bit. God told his people, he says, I'm going to take you out of it, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, I'm going to leave you to your promised land. He takes them, they get to the, they get to the, 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 the area, the jumping off point, and God says, alright, I want you to go in. They send the spies. The spies come in and they say, oh, they come back and they say, they're giants, we can't do this, uh, we're, we're, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. I mean, yeah, it's a great place, it looks awesome, but we cannot do this. And Joshua and Caleb, remember, 12 men went to spy in Canaan, 10 were bad, 2 were good, and those two, Joshua and Caleb, those were the two guys. And they said, no, 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 we can do this. Trust God. We can do this. And, and, and the other 10, the 10 bad said, uh, we can't do it. Just give up. And so they, they disobeyed God and would not go into the promised land. And God said, fine, you're not going to go now. You chose not to go. I'm not going to let you go. Even if you change your mind, which they did later on, he said, you can't go. You're going to wander in the desert until you die. Here, so think about that. You brought us out of Egypt. And we're all going to die in the desert. Now, that wasn't God's plan. That was man's choice. Actually, man's choice, well, man's choice to disobey. And so God said, everybody who's 18 years old and older is going to die before anybody steps in to the promised land. So that means that the oldest people that actually made it into the promised land were 17 when they left Egypt. So they can maybe remember a little bit of what it was like to be in Egypt. They can maybe remember a little bit of what it was like to be a slave. I don't know if the Egyptians would have made the 17-year-old kids and younger work on building the pyramids. I know if I'm building a massive project like the pyramids, I don't want a 17-year-old kid working on it with me. Those are a little bit... They, they probably weren't because they're still standing. So we probably know that teenagers didn't have anything to do with it. But uh, and, and, and five-year-old kids hauling bricks up the, uh, the side of the... Uh, uh, building the Sphinx, or maybe that's why the nose broke off the Sphinx. I don't know. I don't know why all that happened. But uh, we, we we know that uh, the, the oldest person, except for Joshua and Caleb, that would have actually stepped foot in the promised land had only been, well, would have been 47 years old by that time. No, 57 years old. Uh, 17 plus 40 years. So everybody else, the majority of Israel walking into the promised land had no idea what it was like to live in Egypt. Those people grew up, they had children in the wandering, in the wilderness, and so those children never knew anything but living in a desert. They never knew anything. If you were 20 years old stepping into the promised land, that means that all you ever knew was living in the desert. All you ever knew was wandering aimlessly, just waiting for the old folks to die. That's really all they did. We are waiting for grandma to die so we can go home. Not, not a very, not a very pleasant, uh, uh, not a very pleasant thought when you think about it, but that's all they, that's what they were waiting to do. And finally they step in and God says, listen, you're walking in here and none of you will remember what it was like in Egypt. You're, that's time. That's the first thing. 
time is going to separate you from this, uh, from this, from what I did for you way back in Egypt. And so this is what I've got to have you do. I've got to have you remember. I've got to establish some memorials because there's going to be too much time passed and all throughout history, Israel's history, as time progresses, the further they get away from God until their ultimate exile. Right? Look at, uh, look at where they were when God brought them out of Egypt. Everyone's saying, oh, we want to do exactly what you say, God. God gives them the Ten Commandments, and it wasn't very long. They broke one. In fact, they broke all of them. And then they get, they get a little bit further away. Uh, let's go, let's jump ahead to the book of uh, Samuel. When uh, they, they go to Samuel and say, hey, we're tired of just having God as our, as our leader. We want a king like all the other nations. Well, hey, the, the one that you just got tired of, the one you just said you don't want anymore, he's the one who brought you out of Egypt. But they said, well, no, we want a king like all the other nations. Then we see all throughout their history, they're serving other gods. They're bowing down to these other false idols and gods sacrificing their children even, uh, bringing their, the offerings that would belong to God, bringing them to these false gods and, and doing all of these, uh, just incredibly, uh, disgusting worships. They forgot who God was. He was the God that had given them their freedom. He was the God who had brought them out of slavery. And so, uh, the first thing there, he says, time will cause you to forget. Number two, prosperity will cause you to forget. Notice he said in the verses there, he says, when you get into Canaan, this is what you're going to see. You're going to find houses to live in that you didn't have to build. You're going to find vineyards that you're going to enjoy that you didn't even plant. You're going to find groves. You're going to find, you're going to find trees. You're going to find gardens you didn't even plant. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if in Sherman, New York, you didn't have to plant any gardens, but everybody just had a full lush one in their backyard? It just happens. I don't know how it happens. It just happens every year. That's how our kids feel right now. I don't know what happens, but I mean, mom goes out there every once in a while. And I think, I, you know, I don't know what she's doing. And you know, mom's out there, or dad's out there, you know, doing all the weeding and doing all the things. And but then the kids get to enjoy it. That's Israel. All the people of Canaan had had built had built those houses, and all the people of Canaan had planted those vineyards and and, and all those other things. And then the, Israel comes in. Wipes them all out and, and gets to enjoy it all. And there, and God says, you're going to enjoy all this good stuff. And you're going to, and it's just going to be, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And he says, you're, it's going to be so good and so long that you're going to dwell there. Eventually, you're going to forget what it was like to struggle. You're going to forget what it was like to be slaves and not own anything. You're going to forget. And, and so quickly, I mean, they forgot while they're in the wilderness. You remember the stories? It's like, oh, we, man, we, all we have is this manna. We, we remember the leeks and the garlics and the onions in, in, in Egypt. What they didn't remember were the whips and the beatings and the torturings. Oh, let's go back to Egypt because we can have something better than this manna. Do you remember what you lost when you, the good things that you lost, like the slavery? But no, they don't remember that because prosperity and time causes us to forget. But then also number three is sin. Verse 14, you shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. Why? Why would God say don't treat any other, don't, don't go after any other gods? Because they mean that if you leave, if you're going after another god, that means you're leaving me. And those other gods, these other religions that you're going to find in the, in the new Canaan land, this new promised land, are going to take you away from me. He says it again in verse 17. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He hath commanded thee. So three things. Time, prosperity, and sin. God said these three things are going to cause you to forget me. They're going to cause you to forget what I did for you. Here's some memorials. Here are some things to remind you what I did for you and what and, 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 the, and the responsibility that you have to me. 
And look, so what? You know, what does that mean for us? I mean, this is neat, interesting history lesson, but how does that apply to me as, as an American Christian today? We as American Christians have enjoyed incredible prosperity and religious freedom, have we not? I mean, we're living in a great country. As bad as it is, I, I hate it when I hear people just, you know, talk negatively about how awful it's getting. I agree, but it's still pretty good. You know, there's still people sneaking in here illegally to get in here. If those other countries are so great, why aren't we sneaking over there illegally? They want to be here because here's where it's at. It's not as good as it should be and it's not as good as it could be, but it's still pretty good and I think better than everywhere else. We have an incredible prosperity and we have religious freedom that no other people any time in history have ever enjoyed. No other place currently enjoys. And I wonder how many of us have done anything to earn any of that. If you're a veteran, you've earned, you've helped, you've helped earn that, you've helped preserve that. But if you're not, if you've never served in the military, physically fighting for our country, then you can't say, I did that. So you're like me. I didn't, I didn't earn it. I enjoy this. I think that aligns us a whole lot like Israel, doesn't it? How many of you earned these houses you build? You know, they were just here when we got here. How many of you earned these vineyards and these, and these gardens and these, and these wonderful things? Who earned this? Who worked for this? We just walked here and got here. I mean, we just enjoy it. It's us, right? That's America. That we just enjoy the things that so many of us long ago have earned for us. And it is imperative then today that as Christians, not just as Americans, but as Christian Americans or American Christians, remember and continue to remember not only our American freedoms, we live in a great country. I know this world is not my home. I'm just passing through and heaven is my, uh, is my, my, where my citizenship is at. But I'm also a human being and I, I greatly love my country and, and I, and I, and I, and I honor and I love these, these uh, holidays where we can honor and pay tribute to the men and women who have uh, done so much for us. But I'm not just an American. I'm also a Christian. And I think more so than, a, more so than an American, I am a Christian. And it is imperative that I also remember the spiritual slavery from which I was delivered and the hero who died yet rose again to give me that freedom. Of course, we're talking about Christ, but it was, it was paid for by someone else and given to me freely. And now I enjoy something that I didn't earn. I enjoy salvation. I didn't earn. I enjoy American freedom. I didn't earn. And as an American, we all have a responsibility to remember America. But as a Christian, you also have a responsibility to remember the other hero, the greater hero, who died and paid the price to bring you out of bondage, to bring you out of slavery, to bring you into a life that you enjoy and to ultimately bring you to the promised land. John Bloom, modern-day writer, says this, Christians of all people understand the crucial importance of remembering. Christians are memorial people because the whole of our faith depends upon remembering. Those who persevere into the glorious future are those who remember the gracious past. And he says, the future of the church and of each Christian depends largely on how well we remember the gospel of Jesus. 
real quickly, I think it might be in your notes, but if it's not, if you'll turn Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Paul, uh, well, the, the writer of, of uh, Hebrews tells us here uh, to, to be careful of forgetting God the same way that uh, the people in Israel were reminded uh, to be careful of forgetting God. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 12 and verse 13, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin uh, helps us to forget what God has done for us. Sin uh, is that which removes us from God. It removed us from God originally, and but in, and though we are uh, freed from the, the bondage of sin, we still choose freely to sin, even though we are saved. We're not perfect as believers, and so we still have to fight that. And if we allow sin to kind of take over again, and we follow those those leadings, however, the flesh and the world and sin wants us to go, it says it it causes us to forget God. We walk away from God and, and we don't do the things that we should be doing. How many times have we met someone out in out in the society somewhere and they say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a... But they don't live like it. What happened? Sin. It deceived them. Oh, I can do this. I don't have to. How many of you ever heard someone say, I don't have to go to church to, to love God? I don't have to go to church to be to be a good Christian. That's not what God said. God says sin will get in there and it will mess up your theology. Sin will get in and mess up your worship. How do we remember that? God has inserted memorials just like He did for Israel. He has inserted memorials all around us for our own benefit. He gave us the Bible. The Bible reminds us of who God is and what God has done for us. That's our memorial. He gave us the the, the church. You know, the church uh, switched the, the, the worship time, if you will, to Sunday after Jesus resurrected. Every time we meet on Sunday is a celebration that we're following Christ who is still alive and He rose on Sunday. When we, uh, when we uh, observe the Lord's Supper, the two ordinances of the church, the Lord's Supper and, and, uh, and baptism are uh, uh, reminders, they are memorials of the sacrificial death of Christ. Jesus said, as long as you uh, take this bread and drink, and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till He comes. And in baptism, showing the not only did our Lord die for us, and He was buried, but He came out of that grave. He's still alive today. And uh, baptism is a memorial for us. Christmas and Easter even are memorials. God has given us many memorials and places throughout time, uh, throughout our calendar, and in our lives, and in our hands, to remind us of who God is and what God has done for us. And so Deuteronomy 6 tells us, and if you, if you wanted to take this as a, as a how-to for yourself, how can I keep from forgetting? Or how can I remember and pass it on to the next generation? Just very quickly, let me show you what, what God told Israel to do here. He said in verse number 6, He said, I want you to keep the words in your heart. He said, uh, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He says, I want you to teach them in verse 7. Teach them to your kids. Be diligent about teaching them. He says, I want you to talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you get up, everywhere you go, I want you to be talking about the, the, these laws. I want you to be talking about Scripture. I want you to be talking about God. I want you to let your kids hear it. I want your friends. And, and that's what we're doing right now. We're talking about the Lord. But you know, it's, it's, it's completely appropriate out and wherever we may be to talk about the things of the Lord. That's what God says. That's how you keep from forgetting. 
to continually bring them before your mind. He says, I want you to carry them with you wherever you go. Verse number eight. He says that, and, 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 and so that for their custom then, they would have, they would have actually written them down and carried them. It says frontlets between your eyes and, and then on your, on your wrists. I mean, you have the Bible app on your phone. Carrying it with you wherever you go. Because we definitely carry this phone with us wherever we go, don't we? I mean, even if we're going to the next room, where's my phone? You know? Carry it with you! Pull it out! I mean, the, the, the availability that we have of God's Word is incredible today. We enjoy, uh, the resources that, that technology and, and, you know, just the advancements of, of things, uh, have brought us. Let's take them to our advantage. He says, keep them with you wherever you go. And then he says, even post them in your home. How many of you have a Bible verse printed or somewhere in your house? I know, I've seen a lot of you go into the house, maybe a Joshua 24, 15 or, or, uh, uh, my friend, my, I had a friend, uh, my age who had a younger brother named Daniel. And so his favorite verse in the Bible in, in, in the book of Daniel, it says, shut up thy words, O Daniel. And so he's like, that's my favorite, my favorite verse right there. And I think he posted that in his brother's name, shut up Daniel. But, uh, you know, the, uh, that, that, you know, we, we post these in our, in our houses in different places to remind us of different things. Maybe you got a, a, a verse about food in your kitchen. Or you got a, uh, my wife had, uh, at our old house had, had some verses about, uh, sleeping by the bedrooms. I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord sustained me. Wonderful verses about the, the, the faithfulness of God. And, and, and all of these things God says, I want you to do to keep me at the forefront of your mind, to keep me as your focus. Because as soon as you begin to get focused on other things, as soon as prosperity comes in and you're thinking about that garden, you're thinking about that, that, uh, that, 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 that vineyard, or you're thinking about the time that has passed and just, it's just natural. Some of these things are natural, but they are things that will drive us away from God. And so God says, I need you to actively keep me in remembrance. Because he says in, in this, in closing here, one day, verse number 20, he says, your son's going to come and ask you. He says, when thy son cometh to ask thee in time to come, saying, what meaneth the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments as the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And he goes on, he says, but one day your kids are going to come and ask you, why do we do this? Why do we go to church on Sundays? Why do we have this holiday? Why do we do this? Why do you read your Bible every day? Why do you pray? I mean, you can't even see God. Why, 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 why? You can tell them. This is what happened. And it's not only reminding me when I tell my testimony to someone else, to my young kids, daddy used to not always be like this. Life used to not always be as it was, or you know what? It used to not be this way in our family, but great, great grandpa or someone found Jesus. And he taught it to his kids. He taught it to his kids. And today we enjoy the benefits. And that's a memorial. As Americans on Memorial Day, it is our responsibility and duty to remember what so many did and why they did it. We should honor their memory by continuing to preserve what they fought for, passing it down to the next generation. And of course, not returning to that which they defended us from. But as Christians, every day is Memorial Day. Every day, it is our responsibility to remember what Jesus did. He brought us new life. He delivered us from sin, from bondage. And it is our responsibility and duty to honor Him by faithfully living out our faith, passing that faith down to the next generation. Because if we don't, one day, there will be a generation of people who won't know. 
And if they don't know, why will they care?